Hello, everyone. It might be news to some of you that I get so incredibly nervous when it's time to record the narration to each episode. I'm just always afraid I'm going to say something stupid. <laughs> I have a couple times I've had to issue apologies here and there, explanations. Anyway, today's episode is focused on dreams. I've been planning on doing this for about a month, I guess, and I was having the most difficult time because there is so much material. Think about all of the songs that reference dreams, whether figurative dreams, like you stepped out of a dream, or also aspirational dreams, or nightmares. <laughs> We're going to have a few nightmares today. So I had a really hard time narrowing things down, but what I'm going to do today is focus on music for the stage that references actual dreams. There may be some really obvious choices for operatic dreams. Il bel sogno di Doretta, or the evening prayer from Hensel und Gretel that you're not going to hear today. But never fear, I have got such an interesting set list. So let's not waste another moment. Here we go. Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. Each week, you will encounter me, Daniel Guntlach, as your host, guiding you along a magical route that will bring us closer to the voices of those singers that most enchant and transform us, no matter what else is going on in the world. Thank you for joining me on that path. And now, this week's episode. There were two very important birthdays this week, probably many more than two, but the two of which I'm particularly aware were the Swedish soprano Birgit Nielsen and the marvelous tenor Richard Tauber. So we're going to start off our exploration of dreams with these two singers in, in dreamy selections. First of all, Birgit, live from Bayreuth, 1954. I believe this was her debut at the Bayreuth Festival. She's singing here the role of Elsa, not a typical role for her, something she rather quickly outgrew as she moved into the more hochdramatisch repertoire. But here she is, sounding very youthful and very vulnerable, but also with quite a bit of power. This is, of course, one of the most famous dreams in all of opera. Elsa's Traum, Einsam im trüben Tagen. In a single line, we hear bass Theo Adam, also very early in his Bayreuth career, singing King Henry. The conductor is Eugen Jochum.
Next, Richard Tauber. I played him just a few weeks ago on our great Mozart tenors episode, and I'm going to offer him now in a song by Robert Stolz, who was a famous Viennese operetta composer and who also wrote a lot of music for German films of the period. This one is actually not an operetta song, so it really should not be included, but it's just such a fabulous song, and Tauber is so great. It's from the 1931 film Liebes Commando, Love's Commando, <laughs> and it was recorded by Tauber the same year that the film was released. This is Im Traum hast du mir alles erlaubt. In my dream, you allowed me to do whatever I wanted. Lest we get all in a tizzy about this, he does say at the end, but that was only in my dream. This is from an era when that line of attack was seen as debonair and not insulting, intrusive, and aggressive. going to spend a little bit of time on the Broadway stage. How would that be? Since a few weeks ago we did that final Forgotten Broadway episode, the selections we're going to hear today are by no means forgotten, but sometimes they're in slightly different garb than you might expect. First, in a 1950 recording, here is the divine Eleanor Steber, I have waxed lyrical about her many times. I featured her numerous times on the podcast. I did a full episode on her last summer in which I was joined by her stepdaughter, my dear friend, Michelle Osterley. This is from Rodgers and Hammerstein's Oklahoma, which of course features a dream ballet originally choreographed by Agnes DeMille called Lori makes up her mind. If you ask me, it's the dance elements that make Oklahoma particularly revolutionary. 
a lot of excessive claims are made for this musical, but it certainly has some gorgeous standards. Surely one of the most beautiful is Out of My Dreams, which is the music of that dream ballet. And here it is sung by Eleanor Stieber with Harold Barlow leading the Firestone Orchestra. King and I is another very popular R&H musical. And with so many of these musicals, there are issues that arise for contemporary audiences. And this one is no exception with all the inherent imperialism and all of that. And also the subjugation of women, blah, 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 blah. We know all of that. But the other thing that it has is melody after gorgeous melody. I think David would agree with me that Richard Rogers is the greatest melodist since, oh, I don't know, Gounod, perhaps? My favorite tune in the piece is, in fact, a dream song. I have dreamed, and it's sung by the two ingenue characters, Toptim and her secret lover, Lunta. The piece was revived for the Music Theatre of Lincoln Center in 1964, which starred Reza Stevens and Darren McGavin, and as the two young lovers, opera-slash-concert-slash-musicals singers Levanora soprano and Frank Porretta tenor. As with so many of those productions, the orchestra here is led by Franz Allers.
Another popular musical from the 60s is Sweet Charity, music by Cy Coleman and lyrics by the indefatigable Dorothy Fields, who was around for many, many years and was such a vital force in musicals and popular music. We're going to hear the song Baby Dream Your Dream, which is sung in the second act by Charity's two co-workers, Nikki and Helene. The dream here is of financial stability and perhaps even plenty. We're going to hear this in a 1998 recording of duets by two fabulous singers, Emily Skinner and Alice Ripley, who first appeared together portraying conjoined twins in the 1997 musical Sideshow. Book and lyrics by Bill Russell, music by Henry Krieger, whom some of you might remember from Dreamgirls. That's more of a figurative reference to dreams. Alice and Emily formed a close friendship and went on to make a number of recordings together. And of course, both have gone on to even greater success. Alice Ripley, of course, starring in Next to Normal. And Emily Skinner, currently featured in New York, New York on Broadway. My dear David is possibly the only person who's seen this show who actually enjoyed it. Anyway, this is Dream Your Dream from their 1998 duets album.
another 60s musical that was enormously popular and remains so to this day around the world is Fiddler on the Roof. Here in Germany, it's known as Anatevka. I don't know why Fiedler auf dem Dach is not acceptable, but it remains one of the most popular American musicals in Germany. When it was first produced here in 1968, it starred the Israeli actor Shmuel Rudensky as Tevye. Three years before that, Shmuel Rudensky had also appeared as Tevye in the first production in Israel of Fiddler on the Roof, which was produced there in Yiddish. I'm going to offer you today an excerpt from the cast recording from those performances of Tevye's Dream, which also features as Golde, Lea Dulitskaya, and as the two ghosts evoked in this dream, Hanna Binyamini, as Golda's grandmother, Zeitel, and Zafrira Yaroni, as Lazar Wolf's late wife. This whole ruse is staged by Tevye in an attempt to get Golda to consent for their daughter Zeitel, named after her grandmother, to marry the tailor Motel, rather than the butcher Lazar Wolf, the pick of the town's matchmaker, whom Tevye actively dislikes. In Tevye's cunningly depicted dream, he evokes the spirit of both of those ghosts to warn of the impending disaster should Zeitel marry Lazar Wolf. I don't think you'll have too much difficulty following, even though it's in Yiddish. It's broadly but accurately performed. I think it's an absolutely marvelous performance. I hope you like it too. Der Weile öffnet sich die Tür und es kommt da rein dein Bobbezettel Oliver Scholem. Mein Bobbezettel? Wie soll ich euch gesehen? Für jeden, was lebt, ist 30 Jahre sie ganz gut ausgesehen. Versteht sich, als ich hier lang der Bauch habe, macht sie zu mir. Schneider? Sie hat sicher schlecht gehört. Sie meint eine Katze. Hat schlecht gehört dort, Bobbe, ich kein Schneider. Du meinst eine Katze, Bobbe, was er heißt, du leiser Wolf. Nee, ich meine Schneider, Tevje, mein Enigel, mein Kind, mein Sie wird Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov, 
Kun Himmel is Bashar, Aboher Ashti Gold, Nori Mobich Gewalt, Nem Schneider Mokul Kam Boyle. Und dein Tochter hat ein Egelkacke mit mein Katze, mit dem Katze. Das weißt du doch nicht, und das keine Promessare. Promessare. Hast du doch kein Rachmonet, nicht auf eine Schame. In der Schame. Und du gehst da weg, mein ganz Vermägen, Gora Fremde. Gora Fremde. Deutsch, was ist doch etwas falsch? Für was dein Tochter soll mir verschinnen? Nimmst du mein Stuf und was sie kennt und meine Perlen heut Zeit. Weißt du, was man sich mit Tochter Und was mit jenem Jad? Maslato, Maslato. Sie ist gar nicht da so glatt. Maslato, Maslato. Du halt der Bobbys Wort und nimm, wie heißt der dort? Der Schneider Mottel kam Säul. 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 Another biggie from the mid-60s on Broadway was Man of La Mancha, music by Mitch Lee and lyrics by Joe Darian. The book is by Dale Wasserman, and it was based on a teleplay called I, Don Quixote that was produced in 1959. The Belgian singer Jacques Brel was enormously inspired and moved by this performance, so he created a French-language version called L'Homme de la Mancha. And in 1998, the great Belgian bass baritone José Van Damme appeared in staged performances of this Jacques Brel version, which was subsequently filmed for Belgian television. And it's this live performance that we're going to hear. Van Damme here performs La Quête also known as 
the impossible dream. since we're in French right now, let's stay there for a little bit and listen to a couple selections from French operetta. The pioneer of French operetta was Jacques Offenbach, one of Offenbach's most popular and most bawdy operettas is 1864's La Belle Hélène, produced about halfway through Offenbach's 40-year compositional chronology. Like Offenbach's earlier Orphée aux Enfers, Orpheus in the Underworld, it is a bawdy retelling of Greek mythology with a strong emphasis on the risque as exemplified in the first performance by Offenbach's preferred operetta diva, Hortense Schneider, who may not have been all that much of a singer, at least that's what we're told, but she was an insouciant performer, starring in Belle Hélène, Grande Duchesse, La Péricole, and Barbe Bleue. This is the dream duet 
from La Belle Hélène, just before the duet takes place, Helen supplicates heaven for relief from the trials of her daily life. And when Paris appears unannounced in her bedroom, she half awakes and thinks that he is the dream answer to her prayers. He has very little difficulty in convincing her that this is indeed the case, and the two of them get right down to business. I love this recording, which is from the year 1952. It represents a style of operetta singing that is no longer heard in France and has not been heard, indeed, for some time. These wonderful, slight, vinegar-tinged voices that manage to convey just the right amount of suggestiveness, as well as possessing just about the right ability to crest over a line, in spite of the fact that the voices themselves are not all that beautiful. In this recording, the voices belong to soprano Deva Dassy as Hélène and tenor Claude Deveau as Paris. Jules Grossier conducts the orchestra of the Concert L'Amoureux, appropriately enough. Savoir quoi? Parle, parle, achève. Je n'oserai jamais, jamais, si ce n'était Suis-je aussi belle aussi Je ne puis répondre, princesse, que quand j'ai couronné la déesse, elle était un peu moins, je n'en dirai pas plus. Oui, je comprends. J'ai vu. Quoi donc? Oh, chère Hélène, tu devines. J'ai vu des épaules divines que mal un flot de cheveux blonds Ce Oh, 
The next composer we shall hear from is Louis Betz, who lived from 1895 to 1953 and was not only a composer, but also a music critic, a record producer, and a theater director. In the 1930s, his operettas were frequently performed, including one called A l'aimable Sabine, and from that, the most famous excerpt is no doubt this lullaby, which is called Dans mes bras rêve d'espérance, and it is sung here by the French baritone Robert Massard, one of the most generously and beautifully voiced baritones active in France in the 50s and 60s. Robert Massard was born in 1925, and this August will be celebrating his 98th birthday. I'm a huge fan of his. I've played him numerous times on the podcast. This recording is from the year 1960. <laughs> Ma tremblante épaule, la main dans mes deux mains, je connais bien mal mon rôle. Nous l'oublierons demain, près de bois, chasté car. Now we shall switch to German language operetta very briefly for an excerpt from a Singspiel called Die Lockende Flamme, The Alluring Flame, by the composer Eduard Koenicke, who lived from 1885 to 1953 and is most famous for his operetta Der Vetter aus Dingsda, a work which is still frequently performed in Germany. I saw a production of it myself not so long ago. This piece, Die Lockende Flamme, is based on the life of E.T.A. Hoffmann and premiered at Berlin's Theater des Westens in 1933. We're going to hear another singer that we heard on the Mozart Tenors episode, the American Charles Kuhlmann, who began his career in Berlin, where he was mentored by Otto Klemperer. This is a recording of the beautiful aria Ich träume mit offenen Augen. I dream with my eyes wide open. And Eduard Koenigke himself leads 
the orchestra of the Teatro des Westens. I cannot say enough about Charles Coleman. I always liked him, but he has recently reasserted himself upon my awareness, and I am simply more and more taken with him the more that I hear of him. I was so touched by the response that many of you had to my tribute to the late Grace Bumbry. She's not only a favorite of mine, clearly, but a favorite of many of yours as well. And I was so happy to present her to you in a different musical guise than that of the well-known opera singer. I have one more Grace Bumbry example for you today. That is Grace Bumbry as an operetta singer. In 1970, she made one of her first recorded appearances as a soprano, singing the role of Safi in, in Johann Strauss's operetta Der Zigeuner Baron, opposite Nikolai Gedda as Bajinkai. We're going to hear Safi's dream narration, Ein Greis ist mir im Traum erschienen, in which she tells Bajinkai that she has had a dream in which an old man appeared to her who could only have been Bajinkai's father. The piece spins off into a joyous trio in which Bumbry and Gedda are joined by the mezzo-soprano Bizerka Zweich. Franz Allers is once again the conductor.
Stay with German music for a little while and hear an example from Karl Maria von Weber's Der Freischütz. I think one can safely dub this the most important piece of German music theater to be produced between Beethoven's Fidelio and Wagner's Flying Dutchman. This is based on an old folk tale about well, let's call him a professional gunslinger who is desperate to win a shooting contest, and therefore he goes in league with the devil so that he will win the prize of the beautiful girl who is offered to the winner. The piece is awash in German romanticism, evoking the craggy dangers of the wood at night, symbolic appearances of doves, and much emphasis placed on the grim portent of dreams. The heroine, Agathe, is strongly apprehensive of the upcoming shooting tournament, and her younger cousin, Enchen, tries to dispel her fears by telling her about a terrifying experience that a relative of hers had when a ghost appeared in her room and was revealed to be nothing but Nero, the watchdog. As Agatha responds with a dismissive gesture, Enchen then sings a consolatory and placating aria called Trübe Augen, which I am severely truncating in this version because it's an enormously long scene that includes an obbligato viola solo as an integral part of the aria itself. In this performance, we hear Edith Matisse, the Swiss soprano that I enjoy so very much. This is a performance from 1972, the last time that the opera was ever produced at the Met. It's so funny because here in Germany it remains a vital part of the repertoire, but that is not the case elsewhere in the world. At any rate, Matisse characterizes this so beautifully and handles the enormously challenging technical aspects of this aria with great aplomb. Ich bin 
Apart from his early oratorio, Il Sogno di Scipione, dreams don't figure as prominently in the work of Mozart. But lucky for all of us, dreams are indeed evoked in perhaps the most glorious soprano aria that Mozart ever wrote, Ruhe sanft, mein holdes Leben, in which the title character sings a lullaby to her beloved, wishing sweet dreams to guide him on his journey into sleep. We're going to hear an extremely rare 1952 recording with the African-American coloratura soprano Matawilda Dobbs, who was the first black singer to have a standing contract with the Metropolitan Opera in the late 1950s. I've not yet done 
a full episode on her, but I promise you that over the course of the next year, we will do a full exploration because I have been collecting some of her rarer recordings, of which this is certainly one of them. René Leibovitz leads the Orchestre Philharmonique de Paris. Now we're going to hear some excerpts from French opera 
and two of the most famous depictions of dreams in the entire operatic literature. First of all, from Massenet's Manon, we hear des Gruyers' Instant Charmant, often simply referred to as Le Rêve. This singer we're going to hear is another one that we heard on the Mozart tenors episode. This is the Italian, Cesare Falletti. And I'm very excited to tell you that next week, if all goes according to plan, I will be presenting a full episode on this incredibly gifted singer. This is a live recording in December 1954, in which we briefly hear, opposite Valletti, Victoria de Los Angeles. Pierre Monteux is the conductor. Manon, 
From Gounod's Romeo et Juliette, the Quicksilver aria sung by Mercutio, in which he evokes Mab, la reine des mensonges, Queen Mab, who is the fairy's midwife, who sends dreams that are portents of the future. I sampled an endless number of recordings of this aria, and there were some pretty amazing performances, but the one that I chose is by the American baritone Arthur Andres, born in Chicago as Arthur Andres Kreckmann, who became one of the greatest exemplars of French style, working as he did with figures such as Renaldo Anne and others. This is a 1930 recording. He combines incredible linguistic facility with also that wonderful ability to spin out the legato that is so necessary for the more lyrical sections of the aria. La reine des mensonges préside au songe, plus légère, plus légère que le vent des vents. À travers l'espace, à travers la nuit, elle passe, elle fuit, elle passe, elle fuit, elle passe, elle fuit. Car que la tombe rapide entraîne dans les terres lapides, puis fait d'une noisette vide par vers de terre le charron. Les harnais subtiles dentelles ont été découpées dans l'aile de quelques vertes sauterelles par son cocher le moucheron. Un os de grillon sert de manche à son fouet dont la mèche blanche est prise au rayon qui s'épanche de fébé. Chaque nuit dans cette équipage, ma visite sur son passage, l'époux qui rêve de veuvage, et l'amant qui rêve d'amour, à son approche, la coquette rêve d'amour, et de toilette, le cotisant fait la courbette, le poète rime ses vers, à la part en soulise sombre, elle ouvre d'être les ors sans ombre. Et la liberté rit dans l'ombre aux prisonniers chargés de fer. Le soldat rêve d'embuscade, de bataille et d'estocade. Oh, 
Now we are going to be plunged into a completely different kind of dreamscape, the one conjured by Arnold Schoenberg in his monodrama Erwartung, composed in 1909 and premiered in Prague in 1924. This work represents the quintessence of Expressionism as a woman wanders through a haunted outdoor landscape, apprehensive yet expectant. In the fourth and longest of the four scenes of this work, she stumbles upon the body of her lover, whom she has possibly murdered, and who is possibly not even there. This is such a dreamscape that one never really knows what is reality and what is happening in the heroine's fevered imagination. I'm going to present a very surprising exponent of this piece, Renata Scotto, who sang it at the very end of her career. This is a live recording from Rome in January 1994, and we're going to hear the very section in which the woman stumbles, quite literally, upon her lover's body. The Greek conductor Spiros Argiris leads the Santa Cecilia Orchestra.
Certainly an opera in which one would more likely have expected to hear Scotto is Verdi's Otello, in which she was a Desdemona for the ages. Now, there is, of course, a very famous dream in Otello, but it is not a real dream. It's one told by Iago to Otello to awaken his jealousy. Iago would have Otello believe that one night he heard Cassio calling out in his sleep to Otello's wife Desdemona. Of course, this is a complete fabrication, but one which sets into motion the tragic events at the end of the play. The recording I'm going to play for you is a live one from the year 1938, featuring the extraordinary American baritone Lawrence Tibbet in one of his greatest roles. I am completely blown away by the tone in which his Iago relates the dream. Seductive, insinuating, absolutely slimy. And when he describes awakening, the tone goes into a much more firm, virile timbre. And once again, responding to Giovanni Martinelli's Otello, he assumes that insidious, conniving voice. Yeah. 
and we all know where things go from there. Next, we shall hear an excerpt from another opera in which Renata Scotto would have made an enormous impression if she had indeed assumed the role, and one in which the great Magda Olivero scored an enormous success. Pietro Mascagni's Iris, first produced in 1898. The title role was sung in that performance by Ariclea d'Arclay, who was also the first Tosca. The opera opens and closes with incredible orchestral choral tableaus, but in between it tells an incredibly vicious, cruel, and misogynistic story about a young girl who is sold into sexual slavery and dies in the gutter. And when I say a girl, sadly, I really mean a girl, for when we first encounter Iris, she is standing in her garden, horrified at a dream which she has just had, in which her beloved Dolly was attacked by monsters that had invaded the garden. At the conclusion of her dream narrative, she looks up into the sky and sees the sun and rejoices in its transformative powers, which, alas, do not at all protect her from the evils that are soon to be visited upon her in real life. We're going to hear precisely that moment from a 1961 recording that originated in Bern. In this recording, we hear in the title role the late Viennese soprano Melita Musei, whom I presented to you a few weeks ago. Since then, I have been on a mission to collect more of her recordings, and I have discovered an artist who, at her best, is a stunningly versatile artist that I'm hoping to present in a full episode to all of my listeners in the next month or six weeks. This radio recording is infused with true Verismo flavor in spite of the fact that it's sung in German, and a great deal of that is due to the presence of the Italian maestro Nello Santi at the podium. And we shall now hear Melita Musei in Ein schwerer Traum hat mich geängstigt, which in Italian more mellifluously, is O fatto un triste sogno. Sehen, plötzlich von ungeheuren 
Speaking of nightmares, how about that greatest of all operatic nightmares, Richard Strauss's Elektra? Just this week on my Facebook page, I stated my intention to very soon do a full episode on the great Hildegard Behrens. I asked people for their input on artists that they would like to see me cover, and I received a lot of reinforcement of my enthusiasm for Hildegard Behrens, who, the more I listen to her, the more I realize was an unparalleled figure in late 20th century opera. I'm going to present her as Electra in the scene in which she faces off with her mother, Clutemnestra, portrayed here by the great Brigitte Fassbinder in one of the final performances of her career. By this point, Fassbender could sometimes sound enormously unwieldy and wobbly, but in this case, she's in very firm voice. One hears a decline in her vocal quality, but her characterization is absolutely spot on. Clutemnestra, of course, has been plagued by nightmares since she and her lover, Egist, murdered her husband and Electra's father, Agamemnon, in his bath. Electra listens with feigned sympathy, telling her mother that the right sacrifice will result in the end of Clutemnestra's nightmares. At the height of the scene, however, she turns on her mother and tells her that it is her own death which will be the only way for her to rid herself of those dreams. Behrens here is positively volcanic, a cannon that has finally gone off.
now I think it's time to inject a little humor into this episode, don't you think? It's been a while since we had Tevye's dream. Now we're going to have Bottom's dream. This, of course, is from Benjamin Britten's great Shakespeare opera, A Midsummer Night's Dream. The role of Oberon was certainly my favorite role that I ever had the privilege of singing. The opera divides very neatly into several different populations who are hanging out in that enchanted forest outside of Athens. The fairies, the lovers, the rustics, and in the final scene, the royals. The rustics are led by the joiner Bottom, who, after a chance encounter with Oberon's emissary Puck, finds himself the possessor of a donkey's head and embroiled in a tryst with Titania, the queen of the fairies. In the early morning hours, Bottom awakens, restored to his former self, remembering what he perceives to have been a very strange dream indeed. We're going to hear the great Welsh bass baritone Geraint Evans singing Bottom in this live performance from Covent Garden in February 1961, in which the orchestra is led by Georg Scholte. can tell what we thought I was, and we thought I had. But man is but an ass if he can offer to say what he thought I had. The eye of man has not seen the ear 
of man has not seen. Man's hand is not able to taste. It's time to conceive, nor it's hard to report. What my dream was, what my dream was, my dream. I will get Peter Quince, the carpenter, to write a ballad, a ballad of his dream, and it shall be called. When we heard Erwartung a few minutes ago, we heard Schoenberg plumbing the expressionistic depths of the dreamscape. And now we're going to hear an opera that evokes dreams in a different way, from a surrealist perspective. This is the end of the first act of Juliette, the operatic masterpiece by the great Czech composer Bohuslav Martinu. Martinu had seen the stage work Juliette ou la clé des songes, Juliette or the Key of Dreams, by the French writer Georges Neveu, and he was inspired to turn it into an opera. But Neveu had already promised the operatic treatment to Courteval, so Martinu secretly set the first act and then played it for Neveu, who was so taken with what Martinu had already written that he rescinded the rights from Courteval so that Martinu could complete his operatic treatment. Martinu created the libretto himself, originally writing it in French, and then, when the piece was premiered in 1938 in Prague, translating it into Czech. It's the Czech version that we're going to hear. Now, I mentioned that this was surrealist. Well, that means that it's rather difficult to even relate what the plot is. But there is a French bookseller named Michel who encounters in his dreams an enchanting but obscure young woman named Juliette. And he goes on a mission to search through his dreams to try and recover her. He finds her again at the end of the first act, and it's this scene that we're going to hear. At the end of the opera, he discovers that unless he remains in the dream world, he will lose Juliette, and he makes the decision to give up his sanity in order to continue to live in the dream world with his imaginary beloved. 
This is a classic vintage recording from the year 1964, featuring Maria Tauberova as Juliette and the great Czech tenor Ivo Zidek as Michel. The orchestra and briefly the chorus of the Prague National Theatre are conducted by Jaroslav Krompolch. Oh, 
have nearly reached the end of this episode, but I do have a couple short announcements that I'd like to make. First of all, I would like to welcome two new Patreon supporters, Carl and Oliver, who have both in recent weeks become generous supporters of the podcast on Patreon. I'd like to also announce that this week I'm going to begin a series of weekly bonus episodes in which I will choose one obscure LP from my collection and present it in full with very limited commentary from yours truly. This week I'm going to play a live recording that I just picked up in New York a couple weeks ago of Janet Baker in recital at Town Hall in New York on the 2nd of December 1966. This is an early New York appearance of Janet Baker, and she is in stunning voice. She performs two Mozart arias, a large group of Schubert songs, and a French group which includes a number of Forêt songs, including A Présent Rêve, and because that is a song that conjures dreams, I'm just going to give you a tiny little teaser of the end of the song, in which Baker is accompanied by her frequent pianistic collaborator, Martin Esep, who also, incidentally, was the son of her voice teacher, Helena Isep. This is not a vanity podcast, but every so often I do play an excerpt of myself singing something. I posted something recently on Facebook and people were telling me that I should do a full episode starring moi. Well, I said maybe when I reach episode 500, I'll consider doing something like that. But I do recognize that I was a good singer. And every so often, it's nice to remind myself of that and to also give my listeners who know me, perhaps primarily by now as a podcaster, a chance to hear what my life as a performer was like as well. This is from 
the final recital that I performed with my late friend Lloyd Ariola in October 2015. Hard to believe it's nearly eight years ago already. We did a program together called Natural Phenomena, which featured groups of songs on rain, roses, stars, and finally, dreams. Now, it's really a question if dreams are actually a natural phenomenon or not, since they occur completely outside the natural world. But that was kind of my point. Lloyd and I concluded the recital with a performance of I Dreamed a Dream from Les Miserables. But, of course, because I'm so pretentious, we performed it in the original French J'avais rêvé d'une autre vie. The other thing about it is the original French lyric is so much better than the English language one. So that's another reason I performed it in French.
Thank you so much, my friends, for indulging me in that moment of my former glory. <laughs> and also for joining me today on another very long episode, which I hope has been fulfilling and gratifying to listen to. I'm going to end with one last Broadway tribute. That is to Court Vile's Lady in the Dark. This is such an unusual piece. It certainly was ahead of its time, and structurally, it's unlike any other musical that has ever appeared on the Broadway stage, in that it examines the turbulent inner life of a magazine editor, Liza Elliott, as she undergoes treatment for her neurosis. Her inner life is examined in a series of so-called dreams, beginning with the glamour dream, followed by the wedding dream, and in act two, the circus dream, and finally, a childhood sequence which concludes with a song which contains the key to all of Eliza's neuroses, a suppressed song from her childhood called My Ship. My dear, beloved David adores this musical, as do I. And in fact, in the past year, the two of us have seen three different productions of this work, including one in Basel, staged by the German director Martin Berger, which positively sets the piece on its head and contemporizes it in the most fascinating and relevant way. As our closer today, I'm going to present a 2002 recording of My Ship by Christine Andreas, who sings it at least as beautifully as anyone else I've ever heard sing this song. This CD was a tribute to the many different musical theater performers who had influenced Christine Andreas including, of course, in this instance, the great Gertrude Lawrence, who created the role of Liza Elliott on Broadway. My ship has sails that are made of silk The decks are trimmed with gold And of jam and spice there's a I 
song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach.